Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Good morning and welcome to our third class in a series of bringing revival to new beginnings and to your personal life. Uh, My name is Pastor Nancy Cole and I'll just do a real quick run through of what we've covered so far. Um, Revival is already happening. God has already released his spirit and we know from reading the scriptures that whenever God's spirit has been released and is hovering over that that opens up the demonic world as well. They, they come together. When you open the spirit realm, the demonic comes. So in order for us to pull in revival for our personal lives, as well as the church, first thing we had to look at was, is there anything in our life that might separate us from the love of God, the, the, the joy of God, from following him and hearing him? So we were just to close our eyes and pray and see if anything was going to be revealed And then I shared with you that God revealed something, and it's like, oh, that's so minute. Why would I? That's nothing. And it's like, oh, well, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me, so it better be something. And so I prayed and forgave and went through the whole thing, and it changed the atmosphere between myself and that individual. Nothing was said from me to them or from them to me. But when I forgave, it changed the atmosphere. Well, that shocked me, number one, and I've confessed that every Sunday since then. But number two, then, it was like you need to embrace change. Because if the Holy Spirit's going to fall, it may be messy. It may not. What I love is that when pastor prays for someone and they don't, you know, scream, yell, flop on the ground, but they get healed. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves, there's a manifestation that's unusual. So we have to be ready to embrace that. But for all of you in the room this morning and for those listening to the podcast later on, you need to pray to have discernment so that you know which is a manifestation of God and which isn't. Remember, you have the authority to quietly step in and say, in the name of Jesus and by his blood, you will stop manifesting now. You will not do any damage to the individual that you're trying to control, and you will no longer have any speaking part in this facility. Amen. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. You don't have to be in front of them. You don't have to lay hands on them. The authority that God gave us, that Jesus paid a heavy price for us to have, that's all you have to do. But we do need to know, okay, is this a move of God or is this something else? And we need to have discernment to know how to step in or step out. So today's lesson is joy. I um, asked Tracy and Deb, you know, if they could figure out what the next lesson was. And Tracy said, you know, well, it's hopefully it's keep your eyes on Jesus. I said, well, yeah, that's kind of the underlying beat of this whole four series, uh, four lesson series. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Absolutely. But sometimes those little tiny things kind of, and then we can't hear properly. So we know the scripture, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We know that. And I claim that all the time, but it's like, how do we manifest that? There are some good Christian, lovely people who put it on, but you can kind of tell that it's just what, not quite there. (laughs) And it's like, okay, you just lost your job and you're jumping up and down and singing hallelujah. We need to be discerning to know, okay, what does joy look like for what I'm going through? And I think if we look at the scripture... It doesn't mean that you're 
smiling and happy and jumping around. It means that you have a quiet, steadfast faith in our God and that you know the scriptures to be able to say, Father, I don't feel it right now, but help me feel it. Father, I'm looking at my circumstances and boy, do they not line up with the word of God or the plan that I have for me and my family. But I trust you. And when you do those kind of prayers, there's a strength that comes inside of you. And that's the joy that the scripture is talking about. Now, there are scientific, you know, I love scientific studies. There are scientific studies that um, say if you smile, your body kind of relaxes. And the crazy part about that is that, see, your body can't see. It's dependent on these eyes and the face to figure out what the heck's going on up there. And so the body's always checking in with everything else. And the brain is trying to send the body good signals, but sometimes it gets a little messed up. So the brain is just busy up there bringing back other thoughts, idle thoughts, weird thoughts, lovely thoughts. And then it checks in with the face. And if the face... Even though you think you have a happy face, if the face is just kind of, hmm, then the body goes, uh-oh, uh-oh, alert, 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 alert. And then all of a sudden, your body is on alert because it's not quite sure what's going on. Now, scientific fact proven, you can be in stress, but if you smile, somehow that bypasses your brain and your body goes, all is well, all is well. You've heard me talk about Dr. Caroline Leaf and her research in science about the brain and the thought. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper this morning in that um, the first place that an impulse or input comes is right between your eyes. There's a little gland there. Um, I find it fascinating that when the Jewish people were traveling around, they put something, you know, wrap their head and put something right there. And it was like, God knew that he put that gland right there, that, that whatever it is that impulses come to. So if we're really huh, operating in the joy of the Lord, we've gotten rid of the, the, any, any issue that we need to get rid of, and if we're embracing change, then when that thing comes at us, it stops right there and it never gets any farther. However, if it gets past the scripture, if it gets past that little box, if it gets into our brain, we, he still gave us some choices. When that thought or that action that we're observing comes into the brain, then we have another delayed moment, and these are nanoseconds, but another delayed moment in which to embrace it or to repel it. When I was getting my healing from cancer, I was kind of like a marathon to say, okay, I am not not going to accept that thought. And I literally trained myself that if something negative was said, you know, internally I went, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Now, um, sometimes um, if somebody said something to me, well, intentional, you know, these were not mean people. These were my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, But I can remember one nurse in the church that we were in at the time, not New Beginnings, and um, she was mentioning some protocols that I should be doing. And she said, if you don't do that, you'll die. And I just kind of nodded and I turned around. I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Cancel, 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 quietly. Because I don't want to upset my sister in the Lord, she's being sincere, but I'm in a life and death situation here. So it's like, I'm going to take control of this atmosphere. And when I would go out in public, I would put the armor of God around me, which I still put on every morning, but I would say, Father, protect my sphere, my, my area, the, the space that surrounds me, keep things out that don't belong. 
And I learned to do that and cancel things. And um, fortunately, I learned not to slap anybody or tell them to shut up. Um, I could walk away with a little bit of grace. But we need to be aware of that. And we need to not take things in. Now, again, because you're all leaders, and if we had someone come in that was a brand new believer, we'd be having a different lesson. But because you're all believers, then you can smile and in your brain or just quietly, you know, <laughs> cancel, cancel. How pastor, you know, when he's going, <laughs> well, we know what he does. He coughs or whatever. We can do that so that we do not take that in. And if it does get in and you're not able to say anything out loud, then in your brain you go, I rebuke that, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. That's, that's not my future. They're not the prophet of my future. So we watch what comes into our brain. Now, let's just say something random flies in there. We don't stop it here. We don't stop it when it gets in. But if we embrace it, then when that thought goes through the brain, it actually releases chemicals into the body. And that's what's so scary. <laughs> because if I have hurt, anger, resentment, rebellion, any of that stuff, that's going to create a chemistry in my body that doesn't line up with the word of God, number one, but number two damages me. I cannot be joyful if I've got a bunch of black things growing in my brain. And Dr. Caroline Leaf has actually taken photographs. Um, we have advanced enough technology-wise that we can now do this. I mean, God's Word told us, you know, thousands of years ago not to think about ugly things. But we have now advanced to where they can take pictures. So they have a thought come into the brain, and then all of a sudden you start growing these dark things in your brain. Now, what happens that if you don't rebuke that, if you don't replace it with something, it does stay there, and it does release chemicals. But then when the good stuff comes in, it doesn't they don't coincide. So not only are you rehearsing what you could have said, what you should have said, what you should have said next time she says that to you, instead of rehearsing those things, we need to be rehearsing, Father, I don't know what caused her to say that, do that, whatever. But bless her, and thank you for guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. You know, because as we pray this scripture, then God acts. So Dr. Caroline Leaf also has pictures of nice thoughts coming in. Happy thoughts, love thoughts, forgiveness thoughts. And it literally creates green branches in our body. And that releases a different chemical that helps us cope with things, that helps us go through life without stubbing our toe or doing something silly. I try very hard to grow green branches in my brain. I try very hard to not have those conversations. And don't you know, Satan is just clever enough that he started invading my dreams. I would start dreaming of things that I would never think about when I'm awake, and they're not horrible things. You know, it's not that ugly stuff. Well, I'll tell you what it is. Pastor today is going to have an example um, of lighting a candle, because you know where the light he's talking about. So he's going to light a candle and then cover it up with a bushel. Good morning. Welcome. And uh, when he covers it up, <clears throat> the lights are going to go out, and he's going to show the fact that we are the light of the world, and if we don't shine our light, then the world doesn't have a light. So he's going to cover up the bushel, and then he's going to uncover it again and show that the light is there. So we've been trying to figure out. I brought a small votive candle because he, he likes options. Small votive candle. We have an electric candle, and then we have an actual candle. JP has brought an offering bucket if, in case it's a small one, and then he brought a big basket. So we have all these contingency plans in place, and it's like, yes, we're ready. So what do I dream? I dream that he covered it up with a pot, 
And then when he went to reach for the handle, it was hot from the flame and he burned his hand. Yeah, yeah. So I have to retrain my brain to go, Father, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And do you know that you can change your dreams when you're dreaming? You can, because I used to have nightmares when I was in college. And I confess, I wasn't walking with the Lord, but I was saved. And I knew that nightmares were not of God. And so literally when the nightmare would come, I would say, Father, that's not the way this, this dream is going to end. And I would reprogram the dream to come out happy. And once I learned that I could do that without even really walking with the Lord, it was like, my gosh, this is a powerful God. So now my brain's well-trained. If I have a weird dream, then it goes back and it changes the ending so that I have a happy, restful sleep. You can do that. You can also ask your brain a question um, when you go to sleep. And it's like, Father, um, I don't know how to do this I don't know where this lost object is. I don't know how to talk to this person. I don't know whatever it is that you don't have. So please, tonight, would you send me through your Holy Spirit an answer? And he will answer you. I have seen pictures of of places where lost things were. I have heard conversations that I certainly would not have thought about to respond to somebody. So he will answer you. But again, that, that, that level only happens when you've learned to kind of let go of some stuff. And when you've learned that Things may be different than what you thought. Because you may have been raised in a church where they said, you know, dreams are of the devil. Don't ever look for dreams. It's like, well, God talked to a lot of people in the Bible with dreams. That is a side note. I'm going to step over here because you know when I walk over to this side on the right that it's a cul-de-sac. God talked to Mary in dreams, the mother of Jesus, right? And he kept talking to her and she knew what was coming and she said, yes, of course. Do you realize he never talked to her directly again after she and Joseph were together? I know. Here she was pregnant. Here she was birthing this child, and God's not talking to her anymore. No angels, no special. Ta-da! He's talking to Joseph. (laughs) I was like, couldn't you have thrown her a couple of little pieces, Lord, so that she knew she was on the right track? And God reminded me that he does have an order to male-female relationships, and it has nothing to do with who's more important or who's less important, but it has to do with his order, just like gravity. Um, I used to think of gravity as only things that happened to nature out there, trees and flowers and so forth, until I passed a certain age and realized that gravity did other things to the body. And it's like, I'm not a fan of gravity. However, whether I'm a fan of it and whether I embrace it or not, it's God's way. So in God's world, it's God. And then the next one down is the man. The next one down is the woman. And it doesn't mean she's less than. It doesn't mean that she can't do everything because God sees us as equal. But he does have an order. And so that's why he talked to Joseph. That's that's why he gave Joseph the information because he knew that Joseph would protect Mary. Okay, I'm walking out of the right side of the room, walking back into the middle. I like cul-de-sacs because sometimes they bring in a little bit different perspective and they capture your attention so you don't get bored with the whole lesson. Well, so here we are looking at, okay, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, I've just learned that my body will respond if I'm smiling. And the only issue with that is that sometimes we think we're smiling when we're not. My suggestion is that if this is your mirror, you turn around and you put the face that you perceive makes you look interested and intelligent when someone is talking or pastor's preaching because you want to look like you're engaged. So put that face on, and then slowly turn around, close your eyes, keep everything there, 
and then open your eyes and realize that maybe the face that you wear that you thought looked so engaging doesn't look engaging at all. And so then practice. When I was in corporate America, uh, our frontline staff, um, we wanted them to be engaging and smile. That's why we have a welcome center, staff with people that are happy. That's why Tom and, <laughs> and Connie are part of our greeters on, on that section of the church because they're happy. They have an engaging way of, of welcoming people. And so I would talk to staff, and, and I had one gentleman, he said, I am smiling. It's like, okay, show teeth. Show me some teeth. Don't growl when you do it, but show me some teeth. Because when I see teeth, then I think that perhaps you're smiling. So we may have an idea of what we look like, but just try that in the mirror and see what it happens. Um, as I have changed and have done a lot more public speaking, I realized that uh, my face is expressive. And I'm always surprised when I see videos of myself or pictures of myself because I, I hold that all the time, you know, I have my eyes wide open, it's bright, and I'm smiling. And then I see pictures or videos that they take, and it's like, good Lord, where'd that face come from? So just be aware. I mean, you're leadership. You're the ones that, that are out there with the people. So just be aware. Now, the other thing is that you can have happy eyes. I don't have that option. They, they, they just are there. But JW... He's on security, but he has happy eyes. So whether he's smiling or not, whether uh, because his job is not to be joyful Joe. His job is to be security. And when he steps in, if you're not allowed back there, uh, there's an authority that's on him that stops people from going any farther. But he's got happy eyes. So I can be rushing past JW and can high-five him, and um, there's a smile on his eyes, even though it's not showing teeth. So you may be one of those. I think that's really wonderful, and I love JW. We always high-five all the time. But you need to figure out, you know, what position are you in? What are you supposed to be doing? And how can you look more joyful? I have been with pastors and tis long enough. Did I say that right? Pastor and tis. There we go. Long enough that I have seen them in the back room, heartbroken over circumstances. And I have seen them pray take a deep breath and step through a door because they know their position and what they need to do. If you doubt that, go back and look at some of the videos of Pastor Tiz when she was very first diagnosed with cancer. And none of us really knew the actual diagnosis and how horrific it was. But she was in the pulpit, she was preaching, she was talking about faith, because she was able to say, this does not line up with my God. This does not line up with who Jesus is and the price that he's paid. So I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to put that on. I'm going to stand here because this is what I believe and this is who I am. So whether or not she was really feeling it 100%, she was certainly speaking it. And don't you know that when we speak it out loud, our spirit hears it and then it kind of gets excited too. Amen? So even through this whole process, all the things that have gone on, she has continued. Now, does she just naively say, I don't have it? No. I've been with her when she's gotten results, and I've seen the kick in the gut. <laughs> so she, just like us, gets it, feels it, and then realizes this is not where I belong. This is not where I belong. And then she takes it and puts it aside and steps in and starts repeating all the scriptures that she knows. Now, you can still get at the Welcome Center those uh, healing statements that Pastor Tiz used. And I'm always surprised when um, she's talking to another believer or leader of a ministry when they say, 
you, you didn't really say all hundred of those every day, did you? And I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me? It's like, yeah, she did. Yeah, because every morning when she got up again, the reality of what was going on in her body hit her. And so she had to stand on the word of God and proclaim out loud. You see, we have a, a, perhaps an incorrect idea of what the joy of the Lord is. But it's, again, that confidence of who Jesus is, the price that he has paid, and what our God has put in place for us to be whole. Now, I know some of you are listening to this or you're saying, but I didn't get healed, Nancy. I don't know about God. I don't know what his plans are. All I know that his word says that we won't live one day short of our assignment. Now, if we're out drinking and smoking and carousing and driving drunk, we may shorten our days on life. But if you're a believer, if you're serving, if you're still actively involved in, in ministering to people around you, then God is going to make sure you have all of your days. It, it may not be all of your days the way you'd planned it. I know a lot of men who are widowers. That wasn't what they planned. I know a lot of women who are widows. That wasn't what they planned. I know a lot of men who are raising children by themselves because a wife left. It's not what they planned. That's not what God planned either for either three of those or a single mom. But there's a grace that comes. We don't have it before we need it. So I can look at somebody and say, I don't know how she does that, but I'm not in her shoes, so I don't need that grace. But she can have that grace from the Lord, and then she can have the joy of the Lord as her strength. When I was getting my healing from cancer, people looked at me and said, I don't know how she does that. But God gave me the grace. It's like, this is your pathway. This is what you need to do. Okay. And you know me well enough. I'm kind of an all or nothing girl. I try to fight that. But it's like, if this is what I'm supposed to do, I am all in. And I'm not looking to the right or to the left. And Don, my husband, honey, said, amen. Um, I believe that when God says something, I'm going to act on it. And I'm going to continue acting on it until it manifests in my life. But there are graces that God gives to us when we are in circumstances that we would not have wanted to be in that helps us have the joy of the Lord as our strength. Now, I watch other sisters and brothers go through things, and it's like, how are they doing that? And then God reminds me, hello. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that grace thing. Yeah, yeah. You give them the strength. You cover them. You provide things. Right next to joy is gratitude. And... Gratitude is one of those things that you kind of have to be on the look for it. You see, I can come into a room, and unfortunately, I've got one of those minds that sees what's wrong first. I fight it all the time, but I can walk in, and you know, I notice stuff on the chairs or the rows not exactly right. And so I have to get past that. I have to say, that's not, that's not the intention of what I'm doing right here. So let it go, let it go, let it go. Or if I get here early enough, then I go through and pick everything off and straighten the rows. But if not, then I just let it go. But gratitude is something you have to hunt for. Because I promise you, if you're looking for something wrong, oh my gosh, are you going to find it? You'll find it every place you go. Every person that you talk to, it'll be right there. So we've got to have a gratitude operating in our life in order to have joy. So hunt for the things that are right. 
when we came into the room this morning, um, Jim, who's in charge of, you know, everything that happens upstairs on a service or whatever, he was sitting in the chair to push the buttons. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we got the big guy here. And he was just kind of going through. He's been on an extended vacation. I say extended. Anything longer than a week to me is an extended vacation. So he's been gone for three weeks, and he came back, and he's just checking room by room by room to make sure that everything's in place. The young man that comes in that fixed our clock and makes sure that everything is operating, he then came into the room to check and make sure everything was okay. Now, Mitch and Laura are here all the time, and Mitch pushes the button and pushes the button off, but he's not the engineer that figures out you know, all of the, the pieces that need to be in place, but he's here. Now, each one of those people, when I saw them, it brought me a giggle in my spirit. Like, oh my gosh, Jim's down here. Yes, there's Jojo. Now, his real name is what? Do you remember what it is? Yago. Yes. Yogo? Yago? Yago. Okay. That's a hard one for me to remember, but Jojo comes real easy. So Jojo was here and I was smiling. And then Mr. Mitch was here and is like, yep. And he counts me down and points when I say go. Those are all things that I'm so thankful for. And so it brings me a, a giggle. So when I get up and I start talking, I have already located three major things that just make me happy in my spirit so that I don't have to be judgmental. Now, I know some of you are much better than me, and when you walk into a room, you see all the people, and you just love on them, and it's just kind of the way that you roll, and you never notice anything. God bless you. May more of you be born. But there are some of you out there like me that we see what's wrong. So it's a constant battle to kind of let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, and make sure that the main thing is the main thing. What is the main thing on Sunday? You've got two main things here. Equip the saints... And then bring people to the Lord. This body is very mature. The people that are in this church have been here for a while. And the ones that are coming in are mature. So it's almost like God is saying, I am going to stir the hearts of new people to come into the church so that they can be embraced, so that they can learn what Pastor Larry is teaching because it's very different, so that they can take that message out to the world. When Pastor had his breakfast yesterday, <clears throat> the breakfast that he had with the whole, whole uh, church, um, he was sharing a number of things that are going on in his life and then also things that are going on in the world. Pastor has always been political. Um, in Portland, there was an area in downtown Portland. Um, remind me of the name of that park, Don. You know, Nordstrom's was here, and Myron Franks is here, and it was in the center of all that. It's a cement park. It's not really a blooming park. It'll come to me in, in just a minute then. Anyway, they would have gatherings there. This was, pardon me? No, 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 no. In Portland, Oregon. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm talking about 20 years ago. It was the place, it was cement, and it had benches, and there was a little Starbucks in one corner, back when Starbucks was okay. And um, anyway, they, you would have political rallies, and so Pastor and Tiz were going down there for a political rally, and um, they had some, of course, we always have cameras around taking pictures, and there was a snapshot of the two of them, and they looked more like they were running for a presidential capacity rather than just down there. I mean, they just, they looked excited and happy and they were dressed in red, white, and blue. And there was a magnificent picture. We always had that picture hung in the church in Portland, but he's always been political. He's always believed that politics and the church go together. And in fact, um, Troy will be back teaching, not in uh, June, but in July, Pastor Troy will be back teaching again, the biblical citizenship. 
and he has 10 points for why people should vote that are biblical. And four of them, when I was reading it, it's like, oh my gosh, I've never connected that before. But yeah, yeah, that, that's why. So let me back up. So pastor's political. As he said, he does not have time to study and to research and to know everything that's going on. And he's not connected politically to that arena. He's connected politically to Israel, praise God, but not that. And then lo and behold, we reconnect with Pastor Troy. He's a walking encyclopedia. The man doesn't sleep much. I just got to tell you that. And he'll produce something. In fact, I've got more of the um, June is Life Month rather than Pride Month. Um, I've got those to hand out. I think there were some back there at one time. Um, here, you want to put those in the back? He put this together. Um, he has a marketing team already. He doesn't use our marketing team. <laughs> and so he put this together, and it was his way of counteracting the, the Pride Month for everything that's going on. And it's Life Month, and so he's got scriptures, every single day scriptures to read about life. So he produces all this stuff and then just hands it to us. It's like, what a gift. What a gift. So pastor knows him, thank you, Tracy, knows him and trusts him and understands that he knows enough about this ministry because he's been around for over 20 years, 30 years now, um, that he knows what pastor agrees with and what he doesn't agree with. Those are things that God will bring to you in your life too if you're in an area where you need something different. It could be an education piece. It could be something that you're saying, I don't quite know how to do this. And then all of a sudden you say, God, bring someone a book, a TV program. I don't care what it is, Heavenly Father, but bring something that's going to give me the information that I need so that I can do what you've called me to do. When Pastor Troy and Pastor John Wilson um, had their teaching while we were in Israel, um, they were stirring people up to get involved politically. My girlfriend in Portland, Joan Porter, you know, hear me talk about her all the time, she saw that message because she's part of the Stream Church in Portland, and it's like, you know, I need, I need to run for a school board. <laughs> so she lives in Washington. So she got a hold of John Wilson and said, your sermon inspired me. I'm going to be involved in a, in a school board. Well, one step at a time. Now, Joni's a mature Christian. So she knows that, okay, I feel a call. <clears throat> and so I'm going to head this direction. But I need some help. So she reached out to Pastor Troy. And he was telling her, you know, some vocabulary words to use. So she continued on the pathway, you know, that's my goal, and I'm going to figure out you know, what I need to do. And then she met somebody who was also running for the school board who had a lot of experience. And he talked with her, and he said, I'll tell you what, you can do more good if I get elected to the school board and I assign you to a committee. Now, I didn't even know there was such a thing as committees that make major decisions. So you can have someone elected to a school board and they can appoint somebody else on a committee that makes a radical, weird decision. So all of a sudden, Joni no longer does things without praying. She's, she's learned that much. So here she is thinking, but I thought I was going to run for the school board. It's like, well, did I ask you to run for the school board or did I ask you to get involved with the local school business? You asked me to get involved with local school business, and this is how you're going to do it. Now, I share that story because there may be something that God is stirring you to, and you may feel like, okay, what I need to do is just gut it out. Just follow that answer and just go straight for it. But that, again, is not exactly how God works. And if we're going to have the joy of the Lord, he doesn't want us to fight every dust bunny that comes along the, the pike. So aim, yeah, aim for that. 
But then ask the Lord to bring you people, books, sayings, whatever, that can speak into your life. The Torah portion right now is still talking about the promised land and about getting in there and what's going to happen. And again, when the people stepped into the promised land, the manna stopped. Now think of it. You had manna every morning. You've never had to work. Never. Everything has been provided. Now you got thirsty sometimes, but Moses talked to God and bam, there was water. But now you're in the promised land and not only do you have to work and grow food, but you're going to have to fight some battles. That would not have thrilled me. You know, and last week we talked about the 10 spies who were wanting to stay in the desert because they wanted to be close to God. And it's like, Lord, I've never looked at it from the vantage point of all of a sudden I'm in the promised land and I have to start growing food and I have to start fighting fights. God says, where are you today? Do you remember when, was it Jonathan Kahn that said, a lot of us have always said, I would have loved to have been alive when Jesus was here on earth. But here we are. We are alive today because these are the last days. So here we are. Whether we like it or not, we're no longer going to get manna because <laughs> I don't want to go around the mountain 40 years. <laughs> we're no longer going to get manna. We're no longer going to just be able to kumbaya and, and sit where we are. We got to get into the promised land. And the promised land is everything that God put in his word, everything that he said would happen, the authority that we have, the, the, the vision that we have. It doesn't mean that we are fighting people. It means that we are loving people into the kingdom. And as Pastor Larry says, come as you are. I'm not going to tell you you're going to burn in hell for what you're doing. I'm going to tell you that Jesus paid a price for you to be loved. And you've got a whole church family that's going to embrace you and help you walk out your salvation. Now, walk out your salvation may mean that you pray for somebody that you're uncomfortable praying for. But please, 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 before you do that, stop and ask the question, Lord, do you want me to pray out loud for them or do you want me to pray privately for them? Because some of you have personalities that you are just effervescent. And so you will effervescent over everybody. And that may not be what God is asking for. And some of us are more timid. It's like, I don't want to pray and touch anybody, especially in the grocery store. So we have to learn to have boldness. And if you're effervescent, you have to learn to have discernment. Now, God will fix everything no matter what we do. But nonetheless, wouldn't it be nice to have operation in the right way so that the joy of the Lord could be our strength? Amen. Well... I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. I see a lot of things, but I don't see the future. I see right here, and I see where I'm supposed to go next. And that's about all that God trusts me with, because he knows that if he showed me two miles down the road, I'd start tweaking it. And if I didn't tweak it, I'd be inviting people to go with me, because I like people around me. And so I was like, "Ah, she's a good kid, but I'm not going to trust her with a mile-long vision. I'm going to give her one step at a time, make sure she's okay. So I don't know which one you are. Some of you may be mile-long visionaries. And you know what's coming, and and you've got the plan. And others of you may just be one step at a time. But my challenge to you is once you have identified something that needs to be forgiven, that's our lesson number one, forgive that. Nothing huge. Anybody in this room or listening to this podcast, you've already gotten through the biggies. So these are little things that just keep us from seeing the face of Jesus. So just confess it, pray, get it out of there, and move on. And then the next one is embrace change. Where we are is never any place that any of us have ever been. 
And so we're going to have to embrace change. We're going to have to put our hand to something so that we grow our own food because man has stopped. We're going to have to have a gun on one. Well, I guess I'm in Texas. I can say that. A gun on one hip and a Bible on the other uh, so that we can move through the world, protect ourselves. We're not hunting for fights, but we're going to protect ourselves. As pastor says, you come as you are, but then you need to change because <laughs> you don't want to stay the same way that you were when you came in. Let go of things one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And then have the joy of the Lord as your strength. Not a happy, ha, 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 but that constant knowing in your knower that God has you covered. When you pray, there's a connection with your Heavenly Father that's unlike anything that you've ever known before. When you take communion, you feel the presence of Jesus Christ. As once again, you talk about thank you. You were celebrating Passover, but thank you for the price that you paid. It infills you and it dwells you and gives you the joy and the assurance that where you're headed is right on time. Well, we've got one more lesson next Sunday morning. That'll be the final piece of how do we get revival here? And again, revival is happening everywhere. So all we need to know is, okay, how do we bring it into our home? And by the way, it may come into your homes before it ever enters the church. You may all of a sudden have a miracle happening in your home, a giggle in your spirit, something that has, how did you do that, Lord? And that's part of revival as well. Then share that with your brothers and sisters. Let us know what's going on. Because as pastor teaches, when I see your miracle, I know that I'm next. When I see you move for your healing, I know that I'm next. So share those things with each other. Amen? Well, let me pray a blessing over you, and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us enough to not leave us here alone or without guidance. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. I don't understand the Trinity, Lord, but I know that Jesus paid the price for us to be able to come boldly into the throne room and talk to you face to face. And I know that your Holy Spirit, which is part of you too, comes on the earth and guides us and directs us and gives us wisdom and discernment. I don't understand it, but I certainly believe it, and I experienced it in my life time and time and time again. Father, let each person that's here this morning and those that are listening to the podcast come to the realization and the truth of how much they are loved, how much you have put in place things for us to embrace. Give us your discernment. Give us your wisdom, and thank you for your joy. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here this morning.